You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard live exclusively here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and The Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, of CEOs and business executives running middle market firms to make better and more informed business decisions. I'd like to welcome to our show the first guest, Jeff Weiss. He is CEO of My Open Road. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thank you. Welcome. Hello. How are you? It's good to have you here. Let's start. <clears throat> Thank you. Let's start simply by asking you to tell us a little bit about your professional background, Jeff. My professional background is uh, I graduated from the College of the Air Force and uh, studied computer electronics, and I eventually ended up working at Disney. Started as a courier and graduated up through the ranks of the various different IT departments at the uh, Disney Studios. And I uh, concluded my career at Disney by working at uh, Disney Imagineering Research and Development under Brand Farron. That's a, a great organization to work for. Are you a Southern California resident? Yes, I am. Okay, so you went away to college, and then you were lucky enough to be able to come back to Orange County, Southern California. Yeah, I actually grew up in the Valley. And, okay. Uh, after leaving Disney, I started my own IT company, Digital Matrix, and we were actually doing digital signage uh, across the country. And then uh, we came back from living in Florida and, and decided to settle back in Orange County. Oh, so you've lived in a couple different places then here in, in Southern California and across the country. Mm-hmm. And in your opinion, how do the other parts of the country that you've lived in compare to Southern California? Well, I still maintain a residence in florida so oh, you it's, do. it's kind of fun to go back to the humidity and come back out here and dry out a little we're in florida fort myers okay so that's on the gulf coast side yes right? okay. west coast yeah that's nice i love the water in florida mm-hmm. the ocean water and uh, it's so it's so warm and inviting compared to what we're used to here in southern california it's a lot better experience i think yes it gives you, gives you a good variety yes that is good <laughs> so i'm interested in your firm my open road so for the audience that may not be familiar with your firm. First of all, tell me why you started this firm. And secondly, tell us what the firm does and sort of why you're different. Why do clients choose to work with your firm? Well, um, when I came back to Orange County, I really needed to uh, get into some sort of other business. I wanted to uh, put down the IT business and start something new. So I got very involved with the Orange County startup community. And uh, I also noticed a big need for an environmental energy conservation. A lot of the people I've been involved with in the past are in the solar power industry, power generation industries, and renewables were becoming a very big topic. Right. It's also becoming a very big concern for people in the 18 to 25 year old age range. That's a very something that's a hot topic for a lot of those people. And I basically came up with a technology, just kind of in tinkering, that allows us to detect when you're behind the wheel of your car by using any kind of hands-free system. And uh, from that, my friends were saying, well, why can't we detect when you're doing other modes of transportation? So we decided we can make a way of you tell when you're commuting. Can we tell if you're taking certain trains? Can we tell when you're walking or running? 
we all thought, sure, that sounds like a great idea. And we decided to put My Open Road together because My Open Road specializes in allowing us to uh, detect various different modes of transportation. So in a nutshell, the My Open Road application we developed allows us to reward users and allow them to socially compete with each other to see who can use the most energy-efficient means of getting around in their day-to-day uh, day-to-day lives. Interesting. So I'm going to back you up a little bit because I want to go a little bit deeper, and I don't mean to get too geeked up here in the conversation. No so problem. let's keep it because we're talking to CEOs of middle market companies, some of them technology companies, but not everyone. How does your technology, first of all, detect the mode of transportation that one of your clients is using? Well, um, let me go through the in-vehicle detection. That was what it originally started with. It was originally a safety technology to reward people for using their hands-free systems. But we can use any kind of Bluetooth system that's built into the vehicle to detect when you're driving. It'll activate our app automatically. Okay. You can also use uh, Bluetooth headsets and even earbuds. And all we have to do are create three uh, physical conditions. You have your headset connected to your phone. Your phone is plugged into the charger of the car, which most people using those kind of headsets will do anyway. And then we use GPS movement to detect that, and that completes the three requirements to activate what's called driver mode. So we did this, and we put this into a patent, and we tied that patent into a marketing system. So we had a way of rewarding people for using those types of hands-free systems. Right. And then it evolved into, uh, can we detect when somebody's commuting? Can we use the... SSID signal from the wireless on trains, like the Amtrak uh, surf liner, to detect when you're actually on the train. Mm. Yeah, we can do that. Can we create a set of hardware and software-based conditions to detect when you're outside walking or riding a bike, like putting speed limits on the application's modes? And with each one of these modes of transportation we created, we have a commuter mode, a driver mode, a walking-running mode, and also a cycling mode. And all of those modes are rewarded with something called a social responsibility score. Okay. So the more energy efficient you need to travel, the higher your social responsibility score goes. Okay. And that, that works kind of like a credit score. So uh, it goes from zero to 1,000. In modes like uh, commuting is a 400. Driving your car is a 500. Uh, taking the train would be an 800. A walking or running or cycling would be a 1,000. And averaging those out based on how often you do either one uh-huh. gives you your social responsibility score. Okay, and so this is an app that mm-hmm. you've developed, and you have patents underneath it, which is great. And how are you getting people to sign up and use the app? Well, the app is still undergoing some final beta testing before we release it, but okay. because it's a it's a rewards-based system, we needed to be able to get retailers involved. So we have a reward mechanism to give the users, after they go out and save energy, how do they get rewarded for doing that? So we've partnered luckily with people like Wahoo Fish Tacos mm. and in the future once our app is released we'll be able to say offer somebody a free drink with the purchase of nachos or two free tacos obtaining a social responsibility score of say 700 or above okay you would be able to unlock offers that we can create with those retailers okay and in turn it created a really great new marketing system so people are getting credits that they can use for purchases based on how socially responsible they are relative to their transportation. Yes, basically in a nutshell, oh, that's how it works. Very interesting. Uh, I, I could see how the, not just the younger generation, Generation X, but others would be interested in doing that too because, as you said, I think people are becoming more and more aware of social responsibility. So I've got a number of things that I want to t- I'm talking with Jeff Weiss. Sorry, he is the CEO at 
by Open Road. We're talking about his app and uh, the kind of what he's done in his background. We're going to take our first commercial break here, Jeff, on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when we come back, I'm, I'm going to ask you how you first became interested in green energy and environmental conservation. Okay? So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire? or try and pass that business on to your children. At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Francie. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 11,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station octalkradio.net, broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios in the Tech Space facility in Costa Mesa, California. Or they can be rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and many other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, I'd like to return to our guest, Jeff Weiss. He is the founder and CEO of My Open Road. And before the break, Jeff, I said I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about how you first became interested in green energy and environmental conservation movement. Um, I became interested in a couple of uh, people who are interested in investing in some of our technologies were very much into the green space. Okay. So they worked in solar and other energy conservation mechanisms, and they wanted to know, is there any way we can make this a kind of a socially engaging activity? Okay. So I set out to try to figure that out. So it was really just a thoughtful question based on your investment community that drove you in this direction, huh? Mm-hmm. Do you believe 
the, a business has a responsibility, a kind of a corporate social responsibility to promote environmental conservation? And if so, why? I think a lot of businesses do have a corporate social responsibility because a lot of the younger people coming into the, uh, to the retailer market space want to see that in a business. Businesses like REI are very energy conscious. Wahoo's is very energy conscious. Uh, even Tilly's here in Orange County mm. also have their own energy conservation ideals. And this also helps attract a lot of younger customers because they believe in the same value system. Right. Okay. I wonder if you could share any particular experience or a key lesson that you've learned throughout your business career that's allowed you to kind of evolve to having uh, what we call here on the radio show your guiding principle. Do you have a guiding principle that you can share with our audience today, Jeff? Um, I guess uh, one of my guiding principles was trying to make business and the environment work together better. And with our marketing system, we were able to accomplish that. If I can put it in a nutshell, uh, typical check-in style services, there's nothing being given back from the customer to the retailer. It's a kind of a one-sided relationship. Well, there's money. There is money, but the retailer ends up spending money to get that money in, and it may not always be okay. as much as they want. With the My Open Roads marketing system, it allows us to create a bi-directional relationship with the customer and the retailer. The customer is basically out there conserving energy and earning this social responsibility score, and now the retailer has an opportunity to reward that customer for doing something like saving energy. So it's really a chance to bring together people of like minds, right? Yes, yes, it's very much. That's uh, something Wing Lamb was very interested in working with us on because it does create that quality of relationship. I can see how that also then benefits your clients that are the retailers because they sort of build a brand loyalty with the people who think the same way they do about an issue that's totally unrelated to the transaction that's happening. I'm buying fish tacos, but I'm there because we both believe it's a good thing to try to save energy, huh? Yes, and it creates an, an avenue and a tool for those companies to be able to exercise their corporate social responsibility to a further, a deeper uh, extent. Right. I can see that, and I can see how then they could build on that with their social media. So I, I, I think you're on to something very exciting here. Your goal is to reduce CO2 emissions. And uh, tell us, how will, my, and I'm talking with Jeff Weiss, who's the CEO of My Open Road, how will My Open Road help achieve this goal, Jeff? Well, the My Open Road application, every mode of transportation, as I mentioned, has a social responsibility score, but it's also tied to EPA data on the energy efficiency of that particular type of transportation. And we can actually measure how many pounds of CO2 somebody can reduce uh, by simply taking the bus one day or by cycling or even walking. And we record that. Okay. And over time, we, we will be able to collectively demonstrate how many pounds of CO2 our user base has helped prevent being released into the air over the next five years. Oh, okay. I can't speak for other people. I know myself. I love those kind of tracking tools that show me, based on just what I'm doing, the outcome, the effect of it. And then when you aggregate that in my open road, that really then gives your company a presence probably in a larger community where people start looking at what you're doing and it's encouraging positive behavior relative to energy conservation. There's actually a way that people can see right now. If they were to go to myopenroad.com and go to the bottom of our our homepage, Uh there's actually an analytics counter that is showing um, alongside our Facebook likes how many pounds of CO2 our testers have prevented from being released into the air nationwide just in the last six months. 
So I guess to be a star in your system, if I walked around and rode my bike and I went on long travel, I would probably be racking up a ton of points then, right? Yeah. Your okay. social responsibility score would be rather high off, and you'd be the Off MV. the charts. Off MV the charts. Okay. Well, I did buy a motor scooter a couple of years ago, and I do ride that occasionally to try to help with my carbon footprint because that baby gets like 55 miles to the gallon versus my car, so... I probably don't ride it as much, but you're inspiring me to do think about at least doing that a little bit more. I'm talking with Jeff Weiss, who is the CEO of My Open Road. I wonder if you could share with our audience a current challenge that's facing My Open Road and what you and your team are doing about that challenge, Jeff. The biggest challenge we've had is trying to uh, attract retailers and well as attract users. But because we're providing an energy conservation avenue for those companies to help with their corporate social responsibility scores, we've... Uh, been very generously being helped by Wing Lamb of Wahoo Fish Tacos, and this is helping to attract other like-minded businesses. Right. So that when we do launch our app in about a month on Android, we will have a nationwide starter base of energy-conscious companies where those users can actually start redeeming their points to get rewards. So you're rolling this out nationally when you roll it out next month? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Wow, that's ambitious. Well, it's it'll be a challenge, but it's it's. The, the journey is what I'm looking forward to. Right. And um, and then as you add more retailers and you get more users, it just starts building its own momentum, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's the vision. Uh, can you talk to our audience about the growth opportunities facing? Well, the growth opportunity will be interesting because nobody is really trying to use an energy conservation or a uh, what we like to call socially beneficial marketing or social responsibility marketing. Nobody's really tried this to this extent. And we feel that our relationships with the Orange County community, as well as some of the people we're going to be working with, will help us grow. And we're going to see what reality dictates in about the next year. I would think this would be an amazing application at around cities, in cities that have a large college campus, college population. Mm-hmm. Right? I would think Austin, Texas. I mean, just go through the list. I mean, there's so many cities across the country that have a density of students and recent graduates that your application could really become could catch fire there. Absolutely, yeah. and that's going to be a part of our summer marketing plan is to go to a lot of events where the 18 to 25-year-olds are congregating. Right. How exciting. Can you share with us how someone would learn more about your firm? If, if I wanted to learn, you mentioned the website earlier, My Open Road, but can you can you give us a sense, how do we find you both on your website and any social media outlets that sure. you have used? Well, I could share two wonderful things. We've recently launched an Indiegogo campaign where we've already reached our $60,000 goal by two weeks, we're two weeks into, uh, actually four weeks into it, and we still have two weeks to go, but we've reached our $60,000 goal. And that's on Indiegogo, and look up My Open Road, okay. and you'll find it. You'll also find a video that we did where Wing Lam is actually talking about the synergies that My Open Road and Wahoo's will be able to have together. And, of course, you can also find us on uh, myopenroad.com, Facebook, and on LinkedIn. So it sounds like, to me, the relationship that you've been able to build with a very prominent Orange County entrepreneur, Wing Lam, has, is, is really a, an example of how one large successful entrepreneur can mentor another me- entrepreneur to get their business off the ground. Yes, and the golden rule there, as Wing has always told me, is if there's a, if there's a windfall, don't forget who your friends are. Okay, and that's fair enough, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure the time and the effort and the information that he's given you beyond sharing his brand with your company, Wahoo's Fish Taco, just the insights that he's been able to impart on you have probably been priceless, I would imagine. Absolutely instrumental. Yeah, and it's 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 so valuable. So we're talking now to the CEOs that are out there. 
mentoring other entrepreneurs and CEOs is such a great way to give back to the community because as your company scales and grows, that's good for employment, that's good for on a lot of different fronts, mm-hmm. not only the social responsibility that you're set out to help. Yes, I think every entrepreneur, as you get more mature, you should spend time trying to mentor the younger ones behind you because they're going to be your success stories. Right, and sometimes they're not always younger. They may be younger as far as being an entrepreneur, but they may be older than you from a wall clock, right? We can learn from 20, 25-year-olds. I've had some very young entrepreneurs that have built successful, fast-growing companies, and I've learned a lot from them, and I'm certainly old enough to be their older brother, at least. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, Jeff Weiss, I want to thank you for being a friend of the program. And welcome to the business community that we have here for Critical Mass Radio. Thank you guys all so much, and thank you very much, Orange County. All right. I want to let you go now, Jeff, and we're going to take our next commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when we come back, our second guest on today's program will be sitting in the chair, and we'll start our second interview after these words from our commercial sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. (laughs) 
Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. Last month, we delivered over 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. To learn more, contact our advertising department at 949 949- 887-4104. Our second guest today is Norm Bauer. He is the founder of Vape Mentors. Norm, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rick. Pleasure being here. Tell me a little bit about your background. You're a serial entrepreneur. You and I were talking before, uh, during the break, a little bit about all the things you've done, and, and this is your, Vape Mentors is your latest venture, but it's not your only venture. So kind of catch us up on all the things, Norm, until this point. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. How's that? Okay. So most of my business career was spent in real estate and finance. I moved to South Orange County in 81, and I was 26 years old, so I was really not established or really not focused on anything and spent almost 30 years in real estate and financial services. I had my own mortgage company. I had my own radio show. It was a real estate and finance radio show, and we broadcast in about six different locations throughout the country, including some of the majors here in Los Angeles. And in 2008, I don't have to tell you what happened. That all went bye-bye. Right. And so here I was in my mid-50s figuring out, all right, so now what do I do now that my 30-year here – 30-year career is pretty much gone. So I was uh, I was actually an early advocate and teacher of mortgage and debt acceleration strategies, and I had a network of affiliates all over the United States, and everything was going well, and I had several people ask slash tell me that, did you realize that you can use your same techniques on businesses? And I said, yes. And so they asked me if I could put together a program to teach business acceleration debt, which means eliminating mortgages and leases and inventory and all the different expenses that come part and parcel of owning a business. And I realized, Rick, that I had been a businessman for several decades, but I'd never been a business owner, and I really did not know enough about business. Okay. So I reached out, and I got got affiliated with SCORE. I became a SCORE member and a SCORE trainer, and one thing led to another. I got involved with the SBA, and I did a couple of focus groups for different cities who were challenged by their business community who came to the city and said, hey, our businesses are in trouble right now. What can you do? And how do you think they responded? Uh, they had no idea. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want us to do? It we attacked you. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't within their bandwidth. So long story short, I developed a program called How Your Small Business Can Help America, and it was really designed to teach small businesses how to refocus their efforts and their energies towards kind of regrowing and regrouping themselves. But I realized that I needed to engage with people that had more and deeper experience than I, and I became associated with a company that had a long history of that. And between the two of us, we created a workshop series in partnership with cities all throughout Southern California, business acceleration workshops. Mm. And that was really a lot of fun. I really loved that. But when Governor Brown made redevelopment go away, that career went bye-bye also. And so it was time for me to make a change, and that change came about a year ago, and I had to kind of reinvent myself one more time. It seems like it's a deja vu all over again. You know, some of the most successful entrepreneurs that I've had on the show over the years, one of the keys 
with them is their ability to maintain relevancy in the market. And if that means completely changing the business model and reinventing not only the business but themselves, they've been able to successfully do that. An entrepreneur needs to constantly be making sure that what they're delivering the marketplace still needs and wants. And when the conditions around them change, you've got to find another way to apply your talents, don't you? Well, you do. And I've said that more businesses are destroyed by ego than any poor business environment. <laughs> and what ends up happening is you have, especially guys in our generation, the uh, the very young-looking baby boomers out That's there. That's like us. Hey, hey. hey, baby. Russ never <laughs> He's sleeps, good, right? Good. You're good, Norm. <laughs> you know, the baby boomers... Unfortunately, have a tendency to be caught up in, you know, just because we've always done it that way means it's the best or the only way, and that is a real detrimental attitude to take. And so you have to be willing to, one, acknowledge that there's a problem, and two, be willing to reach out for, for, for solutions, and three, be willing to take those solutions and actually integrate them into your model. And I don't know whether it's an asset or a curse that I've had a tendency to be drawn into different directions, and sometimes I'm caught up in the next shiny new thing syndrome. But the reality of it was I was always looking for – I was looking to regain my prominence in my own mind because I I had – I was actually one of the first people to do pre-foreclosures and short sales back in the early 90s before wow. such a thing even existed. Right. And I walked away from that foolishly, prematurely. <laughs> you know, Nobody can predict the future, uh, right? You know, uh, yeah. No one could have predicted the future. <laughs> close. And then when I had my mortgage and debt acceleration, I didn't walk away from that. It was taken away from me by 2008. And so for the last five years, I was kind of looking for something to regain my maybe my relevance, my legacy, you. and you know how it is. We want to be able to walk away and say, I'm really, really proud of that, something that you created from scratch. Okay, before I close this chapter of the interview, <laughs> I've, you said you moved out here in 1981? 1981. From where? Uh, I'm originally from the East Coast, from Philadelphia area. No shit. Came out in the mid, mid-70s, mid and I lived in Southern California for a couple years, lived in Florida for one year, and I was living up in San Luis Obispo, oh. not really with any focus or anything, and my, my, my best friend at the time was making like buku money down here in real estate. So think back. <laughs> all right, so think back. 1979, 1980, oh my, for yeah. anyone who's old enough to remember, yeah. and some of you probably weren't even born yet if you're listening. But back then, the real estate market was going into, yeah, we're looking at the producer here who's, you know, in her mid 20s, son of a gun. And anyway, I uh, I moved down here just as the prime rate was tw- it was hitting twenty and a half percent. I remember those. Yeah. And you couldn't sell houses, but you know what? That didn't stop me. You know why? Because if my broker said go hold open house and go sit on the floor and go knock on doors, I did it. I didn't have to reinvent anything. I just kind of did what I needed to do. And I was twenty six at the time and I had plenty of energy. And I kind of slucked, slucked, you know, sloughed my way through that until the real estate market recovered. But I have to tell you, honestly, I, I lost my passion for real estate fairly early on. And okay. even though I did it for another 15 years, I was always looking for something different, something better. Yeah, I came here in 1981 from Pittsburgh. There you go. Hey, I another Philadelphia boy. Well, right Pennsylvania off, at least. Yes. And I uh, I came here in January of 1981. Oh, wow. And it was Pittsburgh, January, and it was Orange County, Southern California. What's January. not to like? I came out for a month. <laughs> And I never went home, so I'm with you, Norm. That's All right. like me. Let's talk about your latest reincarnation and your latest entrepreneurial venture. It's The name of it is Vape Mentors. Tell me, what is Vape Mentors, and, and why do people 
do business with you? What is it that you offer? Uh, what I is what I offer is decades worth of experiencing helping businesses create acceleration programs. And here's what's interesting about what I call the vape space. I never had any knowledge of this until last summer. Now I'm a reporter for the Newport Beach Independent, and I report on businesses. And I happen to be walking by a store in Newport Beach on the Fourth of July. I don't have to tell anyone who's listening what Newport Beach is like on the Fourth of July. But I walked by this store, and it said Newport Beach Vapors. And I actually did a double take, and I walked inside, and I said, "What?" the hell is a vape stop and so i so you're going to appreciate this and probably a lot of people will as well i felt like i was walking back to 1977 walking into a head shop <laughs> all these all these shiny little pipes and these different paraphernalia i thought holy cow this is like deja vu wow. and so i said what in the world is vaping and they told me it was a way for people to be able to stop smoking and to be able to control their nicotine intake and i right. said that is really awesome, and I've, I'm very fortunate. I don't have not had any you know addictions to anything, including including nicotine or tobacco. And I said, this is great. I said, I write on businesses that are different and unique, and this is different and unique. And I said, you know, how are things going? And it just so happens that the owner of the store was there. And he said, who is it you write for again? And I told him. And so we started talking for a while, and I said, so let me let me tell you. I said, you know, I, I write for fun. It's really kind of a latent, latent desire I've had, but really I'm a, I'm a business coach and a business acceleration specialist, and what is it you need help with? And he says, well, we need help with marketing. I said, hey, cha-ching. That's very typical. You know, that's, what I, that's what I do. And so he invited me to come back and meet with his team about a week and a half later, but I was really taken, Rick. I was really taken because I didn't know anything about this industry so over the next couple of days i researched the heck out of it and i saw that in the last year and a half and two years so most people who are listening to this right now are in orange county so when i was there in roughly july of this past year there was about two dozen shops in los angeles and southern california a year and a half earlier now it's grown tenfold really really you literally I, i just before waiting waiting for this interview i just got a call in Dana Point, saying he had a specific question. I says, well, how are you doing dealing with the city of Dana Point? He says, not a problem because we're the third one in Dana Point. That's how fast this industry is growing. And so what's really fascinating is it's being grown by the millennial generation. Oh, really? Yes. And I wrote a book two years ago about mentoring between the baby boomers and and the millennials, and I call it the bookend generation. So here... Two years later, it's kind of come full cycle, so I find myself mentoring millennials and teaching them about how to start a business. Specifically in this space. Specifically in this space. The vape space. The vape space, exactly. So this is a technology-enabled business, right? Because before, there weren't these devices that you could use. I mean, there were other devices that used to be in those head shops, (laughs) but but these new... Vaporizer. Yes, that's that, that is really fantastic technology. I think it is, and it's actually been around for about ten years. Really? but it really didn't do anything significantly until about three or four years ago. And you know what's interesting is that the the younger generation, the millennials, who are roughly between age twenty and thirty two right now, to them this is a toy. This is a plaything, and so they get together and they compare their stories between the juices that they smoke and the pipes that they use and all these various things like that, and it's a real social click, uh-huh. and they are brilliant because, let's face it, it takes a little bit of acuity, visual acuity, to be able to, to work with these little devices. Right. Guys our age, you know, who maybe don't have the best vision like we used to and the best manual dexterity that we used to, and so we don't want to mess with it, so the demographics for 
a vape store to be dealing with a baby boomer is a whole different mindset than dealing with millennials. And this is what I have to teach these young kids is that, you know, it's great that you have your, your tats and it's great that you got your piercings. But when a 55-year-old guy comes in, they don't want to be hearing some hard music on, on, the, on the radio. Right. And you need to be able to create that relationship with them. And the millennials... They don't understand that. First off, they aren't used to talking to people because they're used to texting everybody. Right. And so we have to teach them community uh, um, uh, customer relationship skills and communication skills. So you, this is amazing. See what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you're a, when you're a thoughtful entrepreneur, <laughs> you can find business opportunities. When you don't want to get a job is really what you're saying. <laughs> I didn't say because that. Because I, did I didn't want to get all. a job. <laughs> I'm talking with Norm Bauer. He is the founder of Vape Mentors, and he's found a specific niche that needs his skill set, and he's been able to build the business out of that and we're going to take our third and final commercial break here on critical mass radio show and i'm going to ask you you kind of already kind of gave us a sense for the type of people that start the business but I, i'm going to ask you a little bit more think a little bit more about what it is specifically you're helping these young entrepreneurs build when you're teaching them because you're teaching them in my opinion more than how to run a successful vape business you're telling teaching them how to run a successful business you know so, what you hit the nail right on the head and let's pick up on that in a moment you're good all right we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen after this commercial timeout when it comes to pioneers in their respective industries we all know the apples starbucks and trader joe's of the world in the realm of recruiting decision toolbox is the industry's best kept secret with 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers. For over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News & World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News & World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. 
This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 11,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station OC, talkradio.net, or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, let's return ourselves to Norm Bauer. He is our second guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show. He's the founder of his latest entrepreneurial venture, Vape Mentors. Before the break, Norm, I, we were talking about how you're teaching these vape business owners more than how to run a, su- a successful vape business. I think you're teaching them basic business skills. Can you elaborate a little bit on yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that they're they're lacking in, in great uh, abundance, Rick, is because most of them have never run a business before, but they have a passion for what they do. And God bless them, you need that passion. So what ends up happening is that they get this, this hair up there, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and they decide to open a store. Well, they don't realize that they have to deal with the city. They don't have to realize that they have to deal with the IRS and with the state of California, and they have to now have employees, and now you have to worry about, about point of sale and merchant accounts. And so they don't realize all that comes part and parcel, and they also have to market themselves because, you know, a few years ago when there was so few vape stores, if you build it, they will come, which means that there's already a built-in market there. Now, what's interesting, that still is pervasive here in Southern California, and you can pretty much open a vape store, and you'll get an influx of business, okay. but it's not very sustainable because before you know it, you're not going to be the new kid in town. Right. So what I've found over the years is that about 80% of all businesses are pretty much the same. It's that 20% that really is a, is a segmentator. And so you could look at a shoe store and a restaurant and a vape store, and the, the challenges that they face are pretty much across the board. They all want more revenue. They all want more net. They all want to decrease their overhead. They all want more customer service. They all want this. They all want that. And so by the time you eliminate all that and create a level playing field, now you have the 20% that separates a vape store from a restaurant. And now drill it down one more level. So here's the challenging question. What separates one vape store from another vape store? And that's the question I ask them, and that's the one that we help figure out. Yeah, that's the hard one, right? Because that, uh, I, I like to talk about what makes you different. And it's it's hard when you're buying product from the same suppliers. Yeah, many times. Yeah, when you're so, what do they have to work on, Norm? Just not to give away the secrets of your coaching, but what is it that a vape store owner can do to create a brand? Right, because you're trying to create a sustainable brand, not just a hot retail outlet that you know doesn't exist. For years, that's that is actually the hundred thousand dollar question, Rick. And I'll give you a real good example: is uh, we have a client in in Dade County in Florida, 
And so he contacted me, and he wanted to hire me because he wants to grow a store. And he said, I feel I can do it on my own, but I'd much rather tap into your experience. He's so a he, smart man, well, right? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not, not saying because he's hiring you, because he's willing to take outside advice and experience. I mean, that's Touché. worth so – I'm all about peer learning here, so yeah. you're, you're singing my song. So okay. Well, and here's the thing is that I've talked to hundreds of different vape stores, and so I know the challenges, I know the problem. But this guy has a unique story. He's a competitive bodybuilder. I mean, this guy is buff. He actually is in the, in the vitamin and nutrition field. So when you see him walking down, he's like the guy that you don't want to get your sand kicked in, his, in your face on Muscle Beach, if you can remember that scenario. Yes. And I said, his name is Paul. I said, so, Paul, you really should develop the healthier lifestyle vape store, which is mm. different than everyone else. Because now when you come in, you're going to appeal to not to the guys with the tats and the, and the, and the piercings. You're going to appeal to the guy who are looking for a healthier alternative to smoking. And I have talked to people who have been able to get rid of cigarettes, Rick, after decades. I ran into a woman here in Laguna Hills from Leisure World. She was in her mid-70s. She has been smoking since she – well, for 50 years. Oh and God. she's now she's now vaping. So when I hear stories like that, and it doesn't matter whether you've smoked for a year or smoked for 50 years, but it's a very, very addictive habit, very expensive habit. So anything that helps anyone get rid of any type of addiction is good in my book. I agree. And if I were a tobacco company, and I'm not, uh, I would be worried about this movement because <clears throat> finally there appears to be a technology and a movement that could really seriously damage their long-term prospects as a tobacco company. You want to know why they're not worried? No. They're buying into it. Oh. They, they actually have – they own Blue. They own several other lines of cigarettes. These guys are not stupid. No, they're not. You know, big tobacco, just like big oil or big bank or big anything, yeah. you know, they got their act together. So here's, here's another interesting fact. Right now, tobacco is a $35 billion industry. Vaping and e-cigarettes is about a $2 billion industry. And they are predicting – this is their words, not mine – that in 10 years – the non-tobacco industry will surpass the tobacco industry in 10 years. Wow. So they're buying into it big time. They just paid $110 million for a juice manufacturer. So these guys realize that eventually people are going to start dying from tobacco, and so they need to create a whole new metric for, for clientele, and this is it. And if it's a healthier alternative, more power to them. Put your money behind it and help us accelerate it. Then. Seriously, man, I see no losers in this equation between the people who use it, between the people that sell it, between there, – there's no losers to this equation. Everyone's getting something good out of it. Okay, good. I'm glad you feel that way, and I, I kind of share that experience, but I don't nearly understand it as well as you. Uh, I want to ask you, you know, of all the things, Norm, that you've learned in your varied career – uh, experiences that you have. Have you developed kind of a guiding principle that you use as you coach and mentor these business owners? Hmm. I'm going to say yes, but it's a relatively recent development. You know, I, I, I'm an only child, and so for, for several decades of my life, it was all about me because that's the way my mom told me it was all about me. And so it wasn't until actually I was a lot older than I should have been before I realized it's not about me. It's about giving back. It's about paying it forward. And you can put every cliche on it if you want. But the truth is is that you know, I get people reaching out to me as a vape expert and also as a mentor and also other baby boomers who need some you know, ass-kicking every once in a while to you know, get up and stop feeling sorry for themselves. So I really want to focus myself on helping all of them. And as long as I've got the bandwidth to do it, then I absolutely will. So you know, if there's a redeeming... Uh, quality, so to speak, that kind of keeps me moving forward. It's just do the right thing for the right people for the right reasons. And if you do that, 
you know what, man? It's going to come back. There, There is an orderliness to the universe, and, you know, it's going to sound spiritual and heavy and all that kind of schmaltz. Okay. But the truth is is that, uh, you know, I went through a major reinvention last year. I went through a divorce and a separation from a house I'd lived in for 26 years and a separation for a company I'd been in for 25 years. And I pretty much walked away from all of it, and I said, you know what? I'm going to give up trying to control everything in my life because I'm screwing it up. You know, I'm driving this this car into the ditch, and I'm going to let God drive for a while. And I pretty much kind of gave into the way of the universe and follow his path. Well, you can grip the bat too tightly, can't you? I mean, you Huge. can really, you, you got to relax. It, key in sports, and I think the key yeah. in business, it, it, you need to understand <clears throat> what's important and manage that. But you can be overly tense about your own success, about the business. And no one wants to work in an environment where the CEO, the business owner, is really nervous and isn't a pleasant person to be around. Well, plus on top of that, a lot of the people who are listening to this are probably type A personalities because that's the type of demographic that you, you, you embrace. Right. And sometimes we have a tendency to try to control everything and be attached to what you want other people to do and say and or not do and say. And the truth is, is that it is beyond our control. You just need to put it out there. Let it all follow the way it's going to follow and then just kind of react and, and be proactive about it. And you just have to stop trying to control every damn thing in your life because it just drives – it drove me crazy. It probably drives a lot of people crazy. Right. It makes you hard to live with. Right? I mean, it, you're, you're not the best person. My wife would say that. Okay, well, she's a smart woman. You you also have a blog series. Can you tell us about your blog series? Well, basically, I, I blog on vapementors.com, and then I also blog for other people, people in the vaping industry. And I write for a magazine called Vape News Magazine. It's the trade publication. And so, again, I write on competitive positioning. I talk about how you grow your business. And I've been involved with Toastmasters and speaking for, for about three decades now. So I love giving presentations. And I always try to put myself out there to give presentations whenever there's a convention or a conference going on. So, you know, the whole idea is that I put together a lot of special reports just based on insight that I have and information I've learned. And I don't claim to be a genius, but, you you know, I've learned from other people sharing stories with me. So I really just want to educate the public at large. I want to educate the people who are looking to get into this industry, which that's the number one thing that people approach me on is how do I get into a shop. And then the third thing is for the people who have shops and maybe are challenged or maybe are facing some of those questions that they don't have answers to. So a uh, question, I'm going off a, a script here for a second because as, as you're talking, I'm thinking, is there any parallel from what you see to the vaping industry today, to what happened with mom-and-pop video rental stores, where all of a sudden there were tons of them around, and then corporate America came in, and next thing you know, there's Blockbuster and Warehouse, and just radically changed that. Not today, when, they, when they're they now out of, out of business because of downloads and stuff, but do you see this industry being started by entrepreneurs, and then there's this risk that they're going to, or maybe an opportunity that, you know, bigger for, forces will come into it, or... Or can you predict the future even more? I can absolutely not predict the future. Um, but here's what's interesting. You are 100% on point, but there's another side to that conversation. And one is the B word, the bubble word. So you and me have been around for a couple of decades. We've seen bubbles develop in real estate. We've seen bubbles develop in mortgages. And now we potentially are seeing a bubbles develop in the vaping industry. Okay. Because let's face it, you can't sustain a vape store on every corner. It's just untenable. Right. And so that was the challenge. When I first got into this, I thought, hmm, I've been down this road before. I've been to this rodeo. And so I see what's happening here. You can't have in the city of Costa Mesa 
a dozen vapor stores. And what's interesting is right now they're all doing well, but eventually they're going to reach that breaking point where they're not going to be able to do well. And so nothing would grieve me more as what I call a highly unemployable entrepreneur. Nothing would <laughs> grieve me more. That's the tag I got, man. I, I live it. I embrace it. I identify with it. I don't it. play well in other people's sandboxes. <laughs> okay. So nothing would grieve me more, and this is on a very, very a personal conviction, but I want to encourage entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs, and nothing would hurt me more than to see someone put their blood, their sweat, their tears, their money into a vape store, have it not work, and say, hey, you know what? I just burned through my money. I just burned through my parents' money. Oh, well, I guess it didn't work. I'm going back to Starbucks to work. Yes. No, no offense to Starbucks, of course. But, you know, the thing is, is that we want to encourage entrepreneurship. And this is what's nice about the Gen Ys is that these people, they're never going to get a job that they plan on staying at for 40 years or 20 years or 10 years or probably even five years. They are highly mobile. They realize that their future is in their hands. And so as it should be, as it should be. Yeah. But you know what? We were not raised that way. No. And that's a whole other conversation. That is a whole other conversation. <laughs> we won't go there. For another day. Yeah, another yeah, day. I'm talking with Norm Bauer. He is the founder of Vape Mentors, and we're going to be wrapping up the uh, interview. But I did want to ask you, online, is that a threat to brick-and-mortar vape stores, being able to buy the product online from, I don't know, pick a name, Amazon or someone else? I would say to some degree, yes, because once people know what they want, they're going to go online and get it. They don't necessarily need that relationship that they're going to get out of a store. But the thing is, is that, like I said, for a lot of these young people, it's a social environment. Okay. If they know that they can go there and they can hang with their friends and they can watch their big screen and they can have free Wi-Fi, to them it's a social thing. And some of these lounges are really amazing. I mean, they're like a little, you know, like a little club, so to speak. But for people who don't want to do that, they just want to buy their product and they get it online. It's like, for instance, in our generation, a baby boomer or a Gen X, they're not going to want to go hang at these stores. Once they know what they want, they're going to go out and they're going to buy it and they're going to buy it online. And if they, if there's new things, new, new shiny new objects coming out, right. they'll go back to the store and get educated and then they'll do everything remotely. Wow. Okay. If someone wants to learn more about you, Norm, or your firm, Vape Mentors, how do they find you online? Well, my website is Vape Mentors, that's plural with an S, vapementors.com. You can email me at norm at vapementors.com. You can tweet me at, at Norm Bauer, B-O-U-R, at Norm Bauer. I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. Thank God for having an unusually spelled last name. I can be found on LinkedIn. And so I'm not a social media guru, but I try to at least keep some presence out there on all the different channels that are, that are out there. And I want to thank you for being a friend of the program, and welcome to our business community here with the Critical Mass Radio Show, Norm. Been a pleasure, Rick. Thank you. Time has flown by. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be wrapping it up. I'd like to thank our engineer from today's show, Paul Roberts. Our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And our social media manager is Asia Celestino. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or you'd like to refer a future guest or advertise on our radio show, then visit Critical Mass for business.com. I'd like to thank our commercial advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and the Center Club for their support. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 